unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Good, Nathan. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be back on the call with you. And uh, we got another exciting episode of the podcast lined up today. Yeah, we do. Uh, Most people know we record each episode in advance because it's recorded. And last (laughs) night was Halloween. (laughs) And uh, the most amazing kid came up to my door. He looked like a giant green bean. And I said to him, oh, hi, what are you? And he said, I'm a human being. And I didn't know whether to feel sorry or for him or for his parents. As I gave him some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I thought, this could be a good copywriter in 10 or 20 years. (laughs) Why is that? Well, because... People who do stuff that outrageous and that attention-getting um, tend to be drawn to our practice. And it was a very creative play on words as well. It was. It was. I just wonder what he's like when it's not Halloween. But anyway, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm interested in human psychology. I guess that's like sort of stating the obvious. And I can't count how many psychology courses I've taken in my life, all through college, right through my master's degree program, and then the so-called advanced courses in my PhD program, which I dropped out of because it was crimping my ability to write copy. But besides being an eternal psychology student, I was also a journalist. I was a good one. I won awards. I got great jobs. I even met a president of the United States once with a group of other people on the South Lawn of the White House. And, you know, journalists, we're supposed to get down to the truth, the real truth, so we can share it unfiltered with the unassuming and naive public. Mm. Well, today I'm in my 60s, and I know that with all my experiences that I just mentioned and all those courses, that when I was 40, my Uncle Marty, the black sheep of the family, was a bartender in Brooklyn. Uncle Marty knew far more about human nature than I ever would have if I hadn't become a copywriter. The educated and upwardly mobile members of my family looked down on Uncle Marty because he didn't have a lot of formal education. But when it came to street smarts and people smarts, Uncle Marty could run circles around everybody else in the family. Okay, that's great. So now I have shared a few personal things with you. But what does any of that have to do with copywriting? Just about everything? See, copywriting is all about understanding human nature. That's the key to everything else. And once you understand human nature as it really is, there is no limit on what you can do with your copy. But until you understand human nature the way it really is, the way it really works, you don't stand a chance of writing copy that brings in the big bucks. Still, once you do, you join the ranks of the Uncle Martys of the world. The difference is, unlike Uncle Marty, you can make a lot more money and still make 
a lot of people very happy the way he did. Now, here's something that's going to make you very happy right away. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Your story about your uncle reminded me of Claude Hopkins' lesser-known book. Everybody loves to talk about scientific advertising. My favorite book by Claude Hopkins is actually My Life in Advertising. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. And the big overwhelming theme that keeps coming through in that book is the reason why his advertising did so well is because he was one of the normal people. He understood the psyche of the normal people. He would walk into boardrooms with advertising moguls who are completely out of touch with the average person, out of touch with the psyche of the consumer. And because he knew the average man and woman on the street, because he understood what made them tick, his, his ads, his copy would always outperform theirs. That sounds exactly right. I read that book so long ago, but as, as you mention it, uh, that's true. Gary Albert was the same way, of course. I don't know if you want to call him the Claude Hopkins of our time. He was a little different than Claude, <laughs> but uh, he understood the common people. He understood people. He and and yeah, I read a story about him once, or heard a story. I can't remember who told it. Where Gary would go into a restaurant and he would predict what people were going to do, what the waiter was going to say, what a woman was going to do. And when she was going to approach a man at the bar, I mean, it's uncanny. Yeah. So human nature, understanding human nature, that's, that's the key. So what do you, for the listeners that maybe don't have a complete grasp of what you're saying, what do you mean when you say human nature? Okay. So human nature means the way people really are and the way people actually behave. I mean, it's almost objective and clinical. It's not dry. It's not, you know, devoid of emotion, but it is objective. It's, it's the way they are as opposed to the way you think they should be or the way you want them to be. The more you understand it, the more you have to give up cherished notions about the way people are that you may once have held. So this isn't always easy, but it's necessary, and it's, it's really crucial to understand if you want to write copy that sells. Mm, okay. See, you want to understand it at the behavioral level, and it makes a difference. Behavioral. You need to get specific behaviors from people, like, like to pull out their credit card, like to opt into a sales page. Those are behaviors. And there's a problem. A lot of people, and this is all across the ideological spectrum, the political spectrum, the value spectrum, they live in an idealized world. The way you know they're in an idealized world is they use the word should a lot. And they have ideals about the way people should behave and that will affect your copy when you are 
trying to write to people the way you want them to be, you're screwed and your copy is screwed. And if you have ideals that you believe in strongly and you bring that thinking to your copywriting, it can really drive you nuts. It may not push you over the edge, but it could make you miserable and suspicious and bitter because the world doesn't always line up with the way you want it to look like. And so you end up trying harder and harder to force your will on the marketplace. But people are kind of stubborn when it comes to their voluntary behavior. And listen, voluntary behavior is all we got. You know, we're not cops. We're not courts. We're not soldiers. We're not bank robbers with a gun. We're copywriters. So we can't force anybody to do anything. We have to persuade them. If we want them to take the actions we want them to take, if we want them to do the behaviors we want them to do. And in order to persuade successfully, we have to learn certain rules and we have to, we can't avoid following them. So those are the rules of of human nature. That's what I'm talking about. And there are many such rules. And a lot of them you learn by experience or you learn by accident, or you might learn them from study, but while you'll find some of them in books, a lot of them aren't written down anywhere. And a lot of these rules, they go against what you were taught, what you thought. They even go against conventional wisdom. Now, I can't share all of them today. We don't have the time. Plus, a lot of them I couldn't even give you if we did a five-day marathon podcast or a <laughs> seminar. You know, unless we were actually going to be critiquing people's copy one piece at a time, or if I was writing copy with you, then they would all come out. And I'm really, I'm not trying to be mysterious or coy about this. It's just a lot of these things are encoded in my brain and I can't like pull them up to uh, say, oh, this is, these are the rules of human nature. Um, and I think a lot of other experienced, successful copywriters are, are like that too, but I am certainly keenly aware of some of them. So what I want to do today is share four surprising things about human nature. I learned after I was 40, after I gave up trying to get it through school or journalism, things that I only learned in copywriting. So before we jump into that, I, I want to make one point that, um, really changed the way I look at things and really emphasized what you said about we need to live in the way the world is rather than the way the world, the way we wish the world was. And that was a private conversation I was having with Ben Settle one time. He was telling me about something that he does in his email copy. And I'm not going to say what it was, but I, I had a little bit of a moral hangup about it. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I feel comfortable doing that. And he said, well, look, here's the deal. I wish that people didn't respond to this. I wish that people were smarter than to fall victim to this. But the fact is, is it is the way people act and we're working with the way people are, not the way we wish people were. Yeah, that, that's a, a really good way of putting it. And it's true. Um, you know, you, you have to, to me, you have to find the, the sweet spot that is still within your values, but sometimes out of your comfort zone, right? And there's a lot of stuff that, that fits into that overlap that people realize they're not morally opposed to it. They're just not comfortable with it. And so sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone in order to make things work. 
So let, let, me, uh, let me get into one of these things right now. This, this is what people, not copywriters, but consumers, prospects, and actually copywriters too, but for, for this, it's what, what your market, what the individuals individually in your market are really more concerned about as opposed to what they're supposed to be concerned about or even what they'll say they're concerned about. So I remember a popular motivational speaker. I don't remember her name, but from many years ago, she gave this talk and her tagline was, what other people think of me is none of my business. Hmm. (laughs) Sounds great, right? It's just the pinnacle of personal development. Be your own person. Be true to yourself. Don't pay attention to what other people think. Rise above petty concerns and the opinions of others. That's great. There's just one problem with it. It's not true. It's not the way things work. Not at all. I mean, let's start with that speaker. How the hell is she going to get people to pay her thousands of dollars to hear her speak if she doesn't care what other people think about her? Oh, it's kind of ironic, right? So here's bottom line. Everyone cares about what other people think of them. Almost everyone. I do have a few friends who really don't care. But believe me, there's very few people like that and not enough of them to make up a market you're going to sell anything to. So let me, let me give you an example of this, okay? There is an old uh, headline that worked really well, uh, maybe back in the 40s or the 50s. I mean, years, decades ago. And the headline was this, build a body you can be proud of. Okay. Now, on the surface, it sounds like that headline is about the individual and, and how they feel about their own body, right? It's about pride or about health. But that's not really what's going on. The appeal of that headline is really about admiration or fear or respect that you get from others when you're all buff and in great shape. And that's why most people will actually want to build a body they can be proud of. See, Um, in, in the book, How to Write a Good Advertisement, Victor Schwab has this neat little memory device for this aspect of human nature. Boy, P.T., Mom, B-O-Y-P-T-M-O-M. And it stands for, because of you, people think more of me. When a prospect is looking at you and your product and they say, well, because of you, people think more of me, they're going to want to buy it for that reason. Now, you can sell a lot of different things, a lot of different kinds of offers by convincing a prospect that people will think differently about the prospect, think better of the prospect because of what you're selling them. Sometimes you say it directly, and sometimes it works when you're a lot more subtle, like um, you see commercials on TV where somebody's driving, some geeky guy is driving a car and all of these hot women are looking at him. Oh, wow. Um, So that's a little, I mean, that's not too subtle, but. Um, it's not quite as direct. So either way you do it, it works. Well, one thing that I know is for most of my life, I prided myself on being the guy who didn't care what other people think uh-huh. until I realized that that's what I want people to think. I want people to think that I'm the guy who doesn't care what other people think about me. Yeah. 
That's cool. And I would say a guy who got up and st on stage and performed music, you probably did. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did. I, I just, uh, I wanted people to think I was a rebel and part of making sure people think you're a rebel is putting forth the attitude that you don't care what people think about you. But it, it's one of those paradoxical things that presenting the persona of not caring what people think is actually a manifestation of caring what people think. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, let's talk about an, another aspect of human nature. Uh, while many people say the greatest motivator is greed or fear or love or hate, what I've discovered is as far as getting people to start reading your copy and getting them to keep reading, there's, there's a different motivator than any of those. In, in terms of motivating action, like getting someone to buy something, getting someone to do something, getting someone to opt in, I think the conventional wisdom about greed and fear and, and, and pain and pleasure I, I think that's true, but there's a distinction here that's really important for a copywriter, and that is what gets them reading. It's different than what gets them taking the ultimate action you want to take. What gets them reading and keeps them reading, it's something I never learned in school. I never learned it in journalism, and a lot of copywriters today, I've noticed, still don't really understand what this is. And of course, it's curiosity. And again, I go back to Gary Halbert again. He said curiosity is the single greatest motivator to get someone's attention and to move them through a sales letter. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Now, this is something most writers don't get, and a lot of people don't understand this when they're speaking. So let me, let me give you a real clear example about how our training in school and our training in efficient business communication and, um, you know, our training in, in content writing perhaps or what we've noticed a lot of other people and i would have to say unsuccessful people in this regard are doing um the difference so there's a famous ad max sackheim wrote this ad it's called or the headline is do you make these mistakes in english and i would say yeah that's a brilliant way to stoke curiosity but Let's say someone who didn't really understand the power of curiosity and they were trying to summarize the ad in the headline. And, and this is something that I might have done myself as a reporter. A lot of journalists might do this today. I could almost see this 
maybe not the New York Times, but I could see this as a newspaper headline. Grammar mistakes, mispronunciations, spelling errors, and poor word choice. These are the mistakes that poorly educated people make. All right. Who's going to read an ad like that? <laughs> it's one of those things about journalism versus copywriting and not burying the lead. Um, but even in journalism, I think le- leading with a little bit of curiosity can do a lot of good in, in as far as getting people to read the rest of your article. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think when you're writing a feature story or, um, or, or uh, something that's a little not hard newsy, um, they, they do that. And it definitely works. I'm just saying, now, clickbait headlines, people get that, but often they go way over the line and they, they say stuff that doesn't connect with the article itself. So it's not like it's totally unknown. It's like a, a lot of people don't get it. And, and it's, it's really important to think about this more, even, even if you already do get this or know it or you'd heard that Gary said this about curiosity. Now, I want to point something out about grammar mistakes, mispronunciations, spelling errors, and poor word choice. These are the mistakes that poorly educated people make. That's what the first paragraph of the ad is about. But he doesn't use any of those technical terms. He just demonstrates them. And he does it in a way that empathizes with the anxiety people feel about not knowing how to speak correctly or write correctly. So just a a brilliantly written ad that totally focuses on curiosity and empathy and um, uh, demonstration. I think the other thing about curiosity too, especially when it comes to like headlines, I'm reminded of like, uh, what three foods should you never eat when you're on an airplane? Uh Even if I'm not about to jump on an airplane within my immediate future, I'm not going to feel good not reading that, that article or that advertisement throughout the rest of the day. That's going to bug me. It's going to nag at me. So it opens up like a loop that I'm not going to feel comfortable until I close it. So even if I don't read it right away, I might bookmark it and go back and read it later. Even if I'm not going to jump on an airplane in any, anytime soon, I'm still going to want to go back and read that article. That's that's happened to me. I've gotten sales letters before. This is before the internet threw them in the trash. One time I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to pull it out of the trash to read it for exactly that reason. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? Okay. So this one's completely obvious when you find out about it and when I speak it, but I'll tell you, it's what I'm going to talk about is practically a forbidden subject in almost all schools in many homes, in many houses of worship, and even, believe it or not, in some businesses. Um, So in Chapter 2 of How to Write a Good Advertisement, Victor Schwab lists 12 primary things people want most. And after the first one, which is better health, the second one is more money. Now, people have all kinds of thoughts and feelings and, and conflicts about money, and especially they have thoughts about having more of it or wanting more of it. But as a copywriter and as an advertiser, one thing you learn very quickly is regardless of what people say or how they cross their arms or shake their fingers or go, um, they respond to promises of more money 
and opportunities to make or have more money. Once you can get over of any inhibitions towards talking about this and you think about it, it really makes sense. After all, there's really three kinds of people regarding money. People who don't have enough, people who have enough, and people who have more than enough, people who have a lot. So people who don't have enough money want more money. Sometimes they want it desperately. People who have enough money or barely enough money want more money, either for an easier life or to get better stuff or for their kids or for their future, any number of reasons. Now, here's, here's the killer. People who have a lot of money almost always want more. And this is often not understood by people who aren't already wealthy or it's looked at with a lot of judgment, a lot of scorn. But as a copywriter, you serve yourself best by simply looking at this as a fact, neither good nor bad, just true. Now, why people who have a lot of money want more money, I don't know. I really don't. I've thought about it a lot. I can't figure it out. What I do know is having money seems to create a desire to have more. And by the way, again, not in everybody. I have a good friend who just inherited a couple million dollars and he's grateful and he didn't have a lot of money before. He's grateful for that and he really didn't want to have much more than that. But he's a rare exception. And in my experience, it's not a big enough exception to break this rule of human nature. So while a lot of people talk in whispers about money in polite society, they're usually intensely interested in it, not always obsessed with it. And more often than not, you can improve an offer by finding a way to talk about money with it that makes sense for the offer. I have a question for you about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of like opportunity marketing, a lot of, uh, a lot of programs that promise wealth. I'm thinking about like rich dad, poor dad. I'm thinking about, um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I'm thinking about a lot of stuff like that. A lot of their marketing seems completely based around overcoming people's objections about money, people's negative aspects of money. Uh, If I have money, it's going to change me as a person. Rich people are greedy and selfish. Um, Money is the root of all evil. Uh, If I have something, that means that somebody else can't have if I have money, it means that I'm taking it out of the mouths of other people. So a lot of a lot of like uh, these programs, Dave Ramsey, um, a lot of these people that sell these programs, a large part of their marketing is overcoming people's negative uh, feelings towards money. How does that fit into all of this? Well, it fits in perfectly. I mean, they're going after a section of the market that is intensely aware of its conflicts about money. After all, if you thought money was terrible and you didn't give a shit, but you felt that way, you wouldn't be interested in any of these programs. It's only going to work for the people who have that intense desire for more money and it's not happening and correctly or incorrectly, they think there's something wrong with them that they can fix. But the core drive underneath all of that is this person wants money. It it feels kind of like the person who wants to lose weight, but they have the objections of all the other times they've been burnt by weight loss programs. They have the objections of skinny people treat 
uh, like they know being somebody who's fat, they know that skinny people sometimes treat fat people unfairly. So while they want to be skinny, they also have some negative, uh, they have some negative feelings about skinny people. So they have to overcome those in order to get what they really want. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the psychotherapeutization of marketing you know we're we're going to bring out our objection handling and 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 treat it like this is some kind of plague or disease that you have and we're going to show you how to cure it okay okay it's it's just something i've been thinking about and i couldn't resist the opportunity to ask you about it cuz um your your insight on these type of things is always a, a little bit deeper than where i've where I've been able to go with my own thinking. No, thank you for the question. Thank you for what you just said. Um, I've, I've never really thought about it before, but I mean, my first thought is, hmm, do these people want money or don't they? I don't mean the person who's selling the programs. Obviously they do. I mean, the people they're trying to reach. And the answer is, yeah, they wouldn't even consider these issues a problem for them unless it was butting up against something that they wanted. Okay, cool. So what's, uh, what's next? What's the fourth one that we have? Well, this one, this one's like an interesting journey for me. Um, before I knew anything about copywriting, I thought branding and advertising were the same thing. And then as a young direct response copywriter, and I wasn't that young. Uh, I was in, I think I was in my 40s, but as you know, young in terms of my experience, I thought branding was nonsense. I thought branding was a complete fraud. And what I've learned since about human nature, in fact, something I learned only last month, helped me see the value and also the severe limitations, the severe sales preventing limitations of branding. So this, this is an interesting little piece of human nature. See, what's branding? Well, I guess people have a lot of different definitions. I'll give you mine. Branding, the way I see it, is getting a person or a company name or an image like a logo so well known that when people see it or hear it, they feel comfortable with you or with the business. And that's a good thing. But here's the other part. By itself, you can't make sales with branding alone. And of course, all businesses need sales in order to stay in business and to grow. Here's one thing I learned about human nature I never would have picked up if I hadn't already been through this long-standing argument about branding versus direct response copywriting. is from a great book called Intelligence in the Flesh by Guy Claxton. And he talked about a Temple University study where researchers showed 9 and 10-year-old kids, they showed them pictures of children they had been in kindergarten with. And the pictures they were showing them were mixed with other pictures of other kids from a different kindergarten. Now, here's the important point. The kids looking at all of these pictures of kindergartners did not recognize the kids in the pictures who were their former classmates. They couldn't tell the difference. But the researchers had sensors hooked up to the kids' bodies, and the sensors showed a change in galvanic skin resistance when they saw pictures of kids they were in kindergarten with. So let's put that into English. That means the kids unconsciously reacted to the pictures of people they had once known, but they weren't 
consciously aware of it. That's why their galvanic skin resistance changed. They're, they were having a body reaction to these kids, even though their mind did not tell them that they knew the kids. And here's what this means to me about human nature. You might feel differently with a different brand, but that's about it. You might not even be consciously aware. And even if you are, that awareness by itself is not going to be enough to spur you into action to make a buying decision to put your money down and purchase. Mm. Wow, that's that's a lot to think about there. Yeah, and you know, if if you think about it, you're you're listening to music and you hear something and you can't even remember the name of the song or the words, maybe even the tune, but all of a sudden your body feels different. You start to feel good or maybe you feel sad because it reminds you of a sad time in your life. You don't even know what it is. That's what's going on. Hmm. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. so Let's uh, let's recap real quick. What were the four things that you learned about human nature uh, that you were pretty much only able to get through copywriting? Okay. So the first one is people are a lot more concerned about what others think about them than they're usually willing to admit, number one. Number two, curiosity is the single greatest motivation to get people to start reading and to keep them reading. Number three, Making money and having more money are among the most powerful motivations that get people to buy something. And number four, branding works, but sometimes only at an unconscious level. And branding by itself does not motivate people to buy. And I would add that, of course, really good copy does motivate people to buy something now. Absolutely. David, another fantastic episode, man. I really appreciate it. Listeners out there, Check out the Copywriters Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review. Let us know that you're out there and uh, we'll catch you next time. Catch you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.